Jesus is risen. Here we go. So, but first of all, I want to take us back just a, a couple of days. Uh, we met here Good Friday. Um, Teresa was speaking and reminded us all that Jesus did for us on that day, on Good Friday. The fact that he, he was betrayed by one of his friends. He was falsely accused. He was beaten. He was spat. He was mocked. And then he was crucified. He, he died on Good Friday. And then he was buried. He died not because of anything that he had done, but because of all the sin that that we have done, all our rebellion against God. Because of the love and the mercy of God, God sent his one and only son to take our place, to to die instead of us, to be our substitute. So now all we need to do is put our faith and our trust in this Jesus, and the slate is wiped clean because he paid the price for our rebellion, for the wrong stuff that we have done. And then two days on, we come to, to Sunday, and before we rush into the fun bit, the exciting bit, I want to try and paint a picture of what it would have been like for the disciples. You have just been following this guy, Jesus, for three years. You've left your home, you've left your business, your jobs, you've left your family. You've been following this guy, Jesus, for three years, and all the signs are, this guy's a game changer. All the signs are, this guy's amazing. You know, he's healing the sick, he's raising the dead, he's walking on water, he's teaching some awesome stuff, he's gathering people around us. And these Muppets, the Romans, that have been giving us a hard time for decades now, we've got our game changer. And he's going to kick these guys out any minute now. Right, so in case you haven't noticed, Middlesbrough are in a bit of a, bit of a tricky situation, shall we say. Middlesbrough Football Club. Imagine if, if tomorrow we've got the news, we've got the news, right, that... that Cristiano Ronaldo has somehow been managed to be signed for Middlesbrough and he's on his way. He's, I'm dreaming again. I'll keep dreaming. We're, cl- we're clutching at straws, aren't we, really? But, so imagine this happens, right? Then Cristiano Ronaldo, we're all hyped up. We're like, this guy's a game changer. You know, he's going to do it. We might just stay up. He stepped off the plane, trips over and breaks his ankle. Game over. We're still getting relegated. For the disciples, they've got that game changer, this, this Messiah, this King Jesus. And he's doing awesome stuff. And they've got the enemy. They've got the, the Manchester United. They've got the Arsenal. The unbeatables. And then the game changer dies. Gets betrayed. And the, the disciples, shocked, confused, they leg it. The only people who were still hanging around were the women and John. Everyone else had bailed. It was a sad, desperate time. Come a Sunday morning, a couple of the women, again, they were the ones who were sticking around. They were heading down to the tomb where Jesus is buried. Everyone knew where Jesus was buried. The, the Jews knew it. It was uh, one, of the, the, um, one of the leaders in the, the temple, a guy called Joseph, who, who gave Jesus his, his tomb. The Jews knew where he was. The Romans knew where Jesus was buried. It was like a, a Roman guard was placed outside the tomb. And of course, some of the believers knew where Jesus was buried. So the women were walking along to the tomb. Uh, this is a, the passage that Helena read to us at the beginning. And they get there and they realize that the, the, the stone that was in front of the entrance to the tomb has been rolled away. And already you can imagine questions going through the mind. What's going on here? Have we got the right place? Have we... Is, is, is the, have the Romans taken the body? Have the Jews taken the body? What's, what's going on? Is the body still even there? And they, they go over to the tomb, 
through the entrance and they see that Jesus' body is no longer in the tomb. And all that's left there is just the, the, the grave cloth. Obviously, panicked, they get even more freaked out because two angels suddenly appear and tell them, why are you looking for the risen amongst the dead? Jesus is alive, just as he told you he was. And that's what we're remembering today, that, that Jesus is alive. He didn't stay dead. He rose again. He's alive. He's now risen as the king of kings. From, from those days, the, uh, the, the women went back to the disciples, told them. There's a few who doubted. Lots of questions going around. Jesus began to appear to lots of different people. Um, and then he, he gave them like, the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And then... Um, a few weeks later, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples and this scared group of nobodies end up kickstarting a movement that has literally transformed the world. That's the story. That's what we're remembering today. And, and I want to encourage us to have like a mindset, a, a stern of the heart in three different ways this today. I want us to be confident that this stuff happened. Some of you guys are going to go into workplaces, schools, colleges over this next week or so, and people are going to think, you are foolish. You're bonkers. You're crazy. You've totally lost it if you believe that that stuff is true. I want to play some evidence before you today. I want you to be confident that this stuff is true. And, and, and as, I've, as we do that, I hope that the next thing will mean that we, we be excited. Because if this stuff is true... If it really is true that there's a God who loves us, a God who came to die for us, a God who's risen again, a God who's got a plan for us, that's exciting stuff. And then, if all of that's true, if Jesus really did rise again, and we can be confident in it, if everything that he said he was going to do, he did do, if everything he said he's going to, that everything that he's promised is going to happen, that's the reason to be excited. If, if all of that is true, then, like... I want us to think about our, our response, our response to that. So we've got be confident, be excited, and I'm hoping that the place we get to today is that like, we'll be all in. Because if there really is a king, Jesus, a God who came and died, that was love and mercy for us, who brought us back into relationship with himself, who's now the king of heaven, the whole universe, who's going to come back and judge the world, who's given us plans, who's promised us eternal life, if that is true, then what other response is there? Jesus didn't go through all of that so we could meet on a Sunday and have a nice cup of tea and a coffee. Jesus went through all of that primarily so that we can be forgiven and brought back into a relationship with God. And then we take that gospel, that message to every single corner of the world. So be confident then. Be confident. The first bit of evidence that I want to put before you is the empty tomb. Was that tomb empty, as, as the women said that it was, as Peter and John later went and found out that it was? Was, was the tomb empty? Now, remember how I said how the, the Jews knew where the tomb was, the Romans knew where the tomb was, the believers knew where the tomb was? If, well, a few weeks on from that, you have Peter and John up in the up in the uh, temple ground saying, Jesus is alive. We've seen him. He's, you know, we saw him walking around. We saw him eat some fish. Jesus, Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. If that was taking place and the Jews and the Romans knew 
where the tomb was. The easiest way to squash that movement, which was causing problems for the Jews and the Romans, the easiest way would be to take a 15, 20-minute walk outside of the temple, through Jerusalem, outside of the city wall, to where the tomb was, and say, no, we've still got him here. The, the tomb was empty. It would have been the easiest thing to disprove. If I had said to you that, that last week I had this big purple elephant walking around, and then you guys killed him, and then we buried him in my house over the road. And then I said to you, hey, the big purple elephant is up and about running around the place. The easiest way to disprove that would to be go over to my house and see that the big purple elephant is still there. If it's not, what's going on there? So then you've got to ask the question, okay, then maybe how, how did the tomb get empty? The tomb was empty. How did it get empty? Maybe someone nicked it. Well, there were some Roman soldiers who were guarding that place. Imagine if you were Jesus' disciples, which was the rumor spread by the Jews that the disciples had came and nicked the body. Imagine if you were the disciples, right, and you'd seen your best mate, you'd seen Jesus, your leader, beaten and killed by the Romans. I don't know about you, but I would not go within a hundred mile of a Roman soldier, never mind trying to take him on and, and, and nick the body. So the disciples didn't nick it. The Jews and the Romans certainly wouldn't have got rid of it because that was their, their evidence, their card to play that we've still got the body. Jesus isn't risen. So the tomb was empty. And then we have accounts that Jesus began to appear to different people. There was a guy called Paul who, who went and planted a load of different churches, told a load of people about Jesus. He started off killing Christians and then met Jesus. And in one of his letters... Paul said that, that Jesus appeared to, to Peter and to the 12, then to, more than, then to 500 of the other believers all at the same time. And then he appear, appeared to James and then he appeared to, to Paul. But there's a little comment in that. This is in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says that Jesus appeared to 500 brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living. Now, a lot of this bit of ev these evidences I'm giving have the assumption that, that this book is true and reliable. And we've spoken a little bit about that in the past, haven't we? But I'll just reiterate again that the New Testament particularly is one of the most reliable historical documents in existence. And the, the, the criteria for that is that was the document written close to the event by eyewitnesses, people who saw that, and how many copies of that document have you got? The, the Gospels in particular, Mark might have even been written 30 years after the events took place. The rest of the Gospels, 40, 50, 55 years. The point is, the people were still living that saw this stuff happen. So those eyewitnesses who were still there, this is, this is credible stuff. And Paul's saying, look, there's about 500 of us who have seen this risen Jesus. Go and, go and ask people. Go and ask all these people, all these people who are claiming to see that Jesus is alive and believe it so strongly that they're willing to die for it. They're willing to be thrown to lions, be crucified for it. Jesus is risen. So, first bit of evidence, the, the empty tomb, the fact that there was eyewitnesses to him being alive, and then just this whole thing that a movement that has changed the world started from this group of nobodies, you know, we're probably guessing that the disciples were like teenagers. Like a youth group kick-started this movement that has reached every corner of the globe. Despite the religious leaders at the time having a go at them, despite the Roman Empire having a go at them, 
this movement has kept on going. And it keeps on going today. And today, in this nation, Jesus is alive. He's, he's out and about. He's changing lives. Just last week, he saved a, a young girl on this estate. From the, from the cleverest doctor to the, to the homeless guy on the street, I've seen it both. People are coming to the conclusion that Jesus is alive. He's, he's risen. He died for me. He loves me. And he is my God. That's been happening for centuries and centuries and it's going to continue to happen. So, I want to say to you this morning, like, be confident. When the guys at work or at school are saying, you don't really believe that stuff, do you? Ask them, have you, have you assessed the evidence before you? If you want more research on that, look at a guy called William Lane Craig. He's done a lot of thinking on resurrection and pulling together bits of evidence and things like that. But it is strong. I think you have to have more faith to come to the conclusion that Jesus didn't exist and that he didn't rise from the dead than to believe this stuff. So, we can be confident. And then if that's true, and I hope I've convinced you in five minutes <laughs> um, that, that Jesus is alive, that the tomb was empty, that there was eyewitnesses, that the way the church started is bonkers and impossible if it wasn't for a risen Jesus, then that should lead us to be excited now, remember what the angels said to, to the women. They said, look, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Remember what he told you. Remember what he said. He said that he was going to be handed over to evil men, that he was going to be beaten, he was going to be crucified, and on the third day he raised again. Remember what he told you, and now look what's happened. The thing Jesus said happened. The resurrection is Jesus' Jesus' final statement that he is who he says he is. That he is the son of God. That he is the only way to, to God. That he died so when we put our faith in him, our sins are forgiven. He's risen again. He's back at that place where he's the king of the universe. And he's going to come back. Remember what he said. And that should lead us to get excited when we remember the other things that Jesus said. Because... If Jesus said he was going to be, if he said he was going to die and then rise again, and he did do that, then we can have faith and get excited that Jesus is also going to keep to his word on the other aspects and the other things that he said. So, for, for us here this morning, as I look out on, on this group of people, what do you need reminding of? You know, Jesus said that, that you are loved. That's true, because Jesus is alive. Like Jesus said that when you come to him, you will be completely and utterly forgiven. Nothing held against you. That's true, because Jesus is alive. Jesus said that he can set you free from the sin that holds you. We heard a bit about this on Friday. From the different things that keep you trapped. That's true, because Jesus is alive. Jesus said that he can be your comforter. He can bring you peace and joy. That's true because he's alive. Jesus said that you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear because as we seek his kingdom first, like he's going to provide all that stuff as well. That's true because Jesus is alive. Jesus said that he's always going to be with us no matter what the circumstance. He's always with us. That is true. Jesus is with us. And we know it's true because he's alive. What is it that you need reminding of today? And take hold of that truth, that, that promise. Because if Jesus said that he was going to die and then rise again and that actually happened, then we can have faith 
that the other stuff that he said and the other stuff that he promised also is true and that Jesus is going to keep to his word on that. So we have this, this King Jesus, one who came, lived a perfect life, was betrayed by one of his friends, died on a cross, a, a, a death which he didn't deserve. It wasn't just some mess up in the criminal justice system in, in Jerusalem. He was taking our place. He was taking the punishment that God should be pouring on us. He took that himself so that we could be forgiven. This is all out of his love and his mercy. Slate completely wiped clean. Given a new, a completely new and fresh start when we come to him. And then three days later, to prove that he is who he says he is and that everything that he said will come true, he rose again and he's now the king of heaven. That should be exciting. That should be exciting. The fact that Jesus has said that he loves you, that, you, that, you, that he wants to set you free, that he can bring healing, that he can bring life and joy, and that he has plans and purposes, that you're important, that you're, that you're valued, that you're worth so much. That should be exciting. And the fact that now he wants to involve us in going and telling the world about this, about King Jesus, that should be exciting. As I've said before, like Jesus didn't do all of that just for a Sunday morning gathering. He did all of that so that a group of people would be called back to himself and then they would then go out in, the, in his power to tell the nations about this. If this stuff is true, and I really believe that it is, if this stuff is true, Jesus is who he says he is, if he really did rise again, if he really is now the king of heaven, that should affect every single aspect of our life. And because he is, what we, a phrase we use, like the Lord of all, that means he is worthy of being the Lord of all of our life. So we, we can be confident that this is true, we can be excited because it's true, and we can also, well... I mean, this is the response where it comes over to you now. What's your response to that King Jesus, to that one who's alive? For me, it's like, I'm all in. You know, just this last week, we've heard of believers around the world who are giving their life for this thing because they're convinced that it's true. They're all in. And as King Jesus is, in fact, risen and alive and is Lord over all, that changes the way that we think. The way that the world thinks is, okay, so I'll get a job here, and then I'll buy a house nearby, and then I'll look for a church, and then I might get involved in serving. Wrong way. Slightly the other way. Lord, as a missionary, as a disciple on mission, seeking to take your gospel to the end of the world, where do you want me to go? And then as we seek that, we go there. And then as we seek the, first, the kingdom first, we trust that the Lord will, will have a group of believers in that place for us to join. And then... Then a house will come, and then a job will come. It's when someone offends us and says, you're like this, you're like that, our first response is no longer to, to jump straight back in and criticize and shout back. It's, uh, I love you, I forgive you. Lord, what is it that you're saying about me? Is that thing true? And we filter everything through the lens of, as a disciple of Jesus, as a disciple of the risen King Jesus, how am I going to live? How, what actions am I going to take in light of King Jesus being alive and doing stuff on this earth? So I, yeah, <laughs> short and sweetish. So I hope that you are confident 
as we leave this place today, confident that, that Jesus is alive, that, he, that the tomb was empty, that those guys did see him. You know, I hope that as, as you think about the fact that human history has been changed by this movement of nobodies, this movement of teenagers who, who knows, they might struggle to get out of bed in the morning just like the rest of us. I hope that you're confident in that, that Jesus is risen. I hope that that makes you then excited because Jesus said he was going to die and rise again, and he did. So the other stuff that Jesus has said and promised, man, we can believe that that's true as well. And then the response, that's where I'm leaving it with you guys. And we're going to go into a time of worship now and, man, do business with Jesus. Say thank you, praise him, worship him. If, if your heart is cold or not moved, say, Jesus, soften my heart, stir my affections for you, because this, this should move us. The story of this weekend should stir something in our soul. If you would like someone to, to pray with you, you know, myself and the team will be just down in this corner, so please come and pray, chat. The rest of us, man, let's, let's celebrate, because the truth of it is that Jesus is alive. And he's coming back. Woohoo! Amen, guys. Bless you. Okay. <clears throat>